All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter number 16, if you would please. Acts in chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. It's our series, A Church for His Name. And this is Sermon 32 out of the book of Acts. And it's entitled, Re- Reaching the Receptive. Reaching the Receptive. So let's look at Acts chapter number 16. And we'll begin reading tonight in verse number uh, 9. Our text will begin in verse 11, but let's just pick up our reading in verse number 9 here tonight. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came uh, with straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont, or that word wont there means would be like habitually or accustomed to be made, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And as a result of that, then they stayed in the house of Lydia. And that became really a base of operation for the gospel in, in uh, Philippi. Now I want to look at just one other verse in verse number 40. This is at the end of the chapter. <clears throat> this is after Paul and Silas have been in prison and then released. And now they uh, are leaving the city, or about to leave the city. But look what happens in verse number 40. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So that was in the house of Lydia. They comforted the brethren. They had seen the brethren, they comforted them, and then they departed. So there were others who came to Christ, and I believe that was a direct result of God's work in the life of a lady named Lydia. Look forward to getting into the message here tonight. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. We'll get into His Word here this evening. I want to begin with a question here this evening. For all of our considerations, do you approach the effort of bringing people to Christ with as much thought as you do other areas of life? Let me run that by you one more time. I want you to think about this. Do you approach the effort of bringing people to Christ with as much thought as you do other areas of life? Let me explain what I'm asking here tonight. When someone goes to hunt deer... They will scout out an area, see what the patterns are of that animal that God gave us to eat. 
He'll do that and he'll see to, as to what the patterns are and if there's deer there. He'll check that out. When men fish, women fish, families, boys, girls, we like to fish where the fish are biting. Isn't that right? Like to fish when the fish, where the fish are biting. I've been on a lot of fishing trips when there were no fish. That's just an outing on a boat. That's all that is. I've had those days, and maybe you have too, whenever you're, uh, you know, you're, you're anxious to catch a fish, and maybe you fished all morning long and nobody's caught a fish, and I mean, you're just, you get kind of bored sitting there, don't you? You know, especially as a kid, I did, you know, and there's only so long you can be entertained by watching a bobber just sitting there. And so you just imagine in your mind what it's like, you know, and even do things that try to make you think you have a fish. You start hallucinating <laughs> that you're catching fish. That you're seeing fish. Oh, I think it went under. No, it's just the waves. You ever do that? But then when somebody catches a fish, if you're fishing on this side of the boat, and somebody catches a fish on that side of the boat, what do you do? A, continue fishing on this side, or say, hey, scoot over. <laughs> right there. Isn't that what you do? That's what I do. All the fish must be over there. Jesus said cast on the other side. Yeah. We want to catch fish. You want to find where the fish are, of course. And they need to be biting. Yep, so you can catch them. If you see or hear fish hit the top of the water, what are you inclined to do? Cast right where that fish was, right? Because you're looking for receptive fish. All right. Ladies, where do you like to go shopping? Anywhere that's open, right? Where do you like to shop? Well, I would dare say that where you really enjoy shopping is where there's a crazy amount of good deals. Isn't that right? I mean, isn't that just exhilarating? Isn't that just exciting? Isn't that just like catching a big old bass? Isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure that it is. I know it is for my wife, how she gets real excited and all the deals. And I mean, it really is exciting. I, I love for her to be able to come home and tell me what all she got and how cheap it was and how much money she saved us by spending this much money. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Well, we like to fish where there's fish and where they're receptive. We like to shop where there's good deals and all those things. So we put a lot of effort into that, and that's all part of life. But I want us to think tonight about our soul-winning efforts, our soul-winning efforts. By the way, everybody that's saved in here ought to be a soul winner. Uh, he's called us to be fishers of men, all of us, all of us ought to be soul winners, fishers of men, people that are concerned about catching people and in the sense of winning people to Christ. So where do you start, and do you give much thought to it? Do you see what I'm saying? We give a lot of thought about where we're going to fish and guys right now are talking about where they're going to hunt and got my place picked out, got a stand or a blind picked, you know, there and ready to go, got corn out. Now, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You know, we put a lot of effort into that. How much effort do we put into soul winning? How much thought do we put into soul winning? Would it not be wise to begin where people are receptive? I mean, stop and think about it now. Would it not be wise to go soul winning where people are receptive? Wouldn't it make sense just to try to reach people that are receptive? 
And um, tonight we're going to consider that. And somebody here might say, and I have a number of questions kind of in my mind and that I dealt with and wrestled with. In fact, uh, while we were on our missions trip to Brazil, I was reading that book I've told you a little bit, a little bit about by J.D. Payne called Discovering Church Planting. And one of the chapters in there was receptivity and church planting. And, and uh, so I'm going to share a little bit of that with you even here tonight. But I was reading that. And then what I do is as we we're on these road trips in Brazil and, and Brother Tom was passing vehicles, I read just to feel safe and stuff. And, but in any case, as we were traveling around, actually, he's a very good driver. And, but as we were traveling around, I would read a little bit of a chapter here and there. And, and then I talked to him about it. You know what was a blessing is, is that they are doing it by the book. I'm talking about the Bible way. And any, by the way, any good book on missions or soul winning, it's got to be Bible-based. It's got to be just straight down the line, Bible precepts and principles and insights and such. And so it was really a blessing to talk to him about receptive people and who was the first people that you led to Christ at this church and who was saved after that. And so it was really a blessing to do that. But somebody might say, well, you know, if you just go to the receptive people, isn't that taking the easy route? Isn't that taking the easy route? I mean, isn't that kind of like fishing in a pay lake? By the way, isn't that fun? Fishing in a pay lake, you know, I mean, you just cast out a little piece of bread and they'll hit it. It doesn't matter. Just, you know? If you just fish where, or I'm sorry, if you just go soul winning where people are receptive, isn't that taking the easy route? Aren't we commanded to go to all people? That we are. That we are. But are there Bible examples, and is this one of them, where those sent out by Christ went to the receptive people and made them a priority? Do we see them? Do we see Jesus? How about him as a master soul winner? Do we see Jesus seeking out the receptive? Do we, I'm just asking you a question tonight. I want, to, I want you to think about this here with me a little bit. Is it okay to think on a Sunday night? Okay, it's not too late in the day to do that, is it? I mean, just think about it. Did Jesus go and did he seek out the receptive? Did he seek out the receptive? What does it mean to be receptive? It means to be ready and willing to accept something that's new, ready and willing to accept something that is new. It means to be open, open. It means to be interested, approachable, friendly, responsive. Receptive person would be responsive. So I submit to you tonight that your soul winning efforts ought to begin among receptive people. Okay, this is already going over great, I can tell. Your soul winning efforts ought to begin among receptive people. You know, that's why we're having friend day. Here in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, you know, two Sundays away, we're having friend day. You know why we're having friend day? Because you already have an open door with many of those folks. You've already established some type of a relationship or some type of a friendship. And, and in, in some ways, they've already been receptive to you. And so that's a good road for the gospel to travel on. Is this a biblical approach to reaching the world with the message of Christ? That we would go to the receptive? How about we let the Bible answer that? Not some missiologist, not some other individual, but how about we just allow the Bible and the example of the Bible to show us what they did then and how it ought to affect our ways about soul winning here today? 
So we've already seen in the, in the book of Acts that they were following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the way that they should go. And the Holy Spirit was leading them. By the way, the Holy Spirit of God can lead you in your life and is and ought to be. And you ought to be following his leadership and, and God's intervening. And Paul and the missionary team, they wanted to go to the, south, uh, to the southwest and then they wanted to go northeast. But the Holy Ghost said, no, it's not to the northeast. It's not to the north, southwest. It's to the northwest. And thus, once they gathered what God said to do, then that's exactly what they did. They headed in that direction, and thus they came to a place called uh, Semithracia, which was just an island. They didn't stay there, but maybe a, a, a night, and then the next day they left for ne- Neapolis. Semithracia was a, a mountainous island that rises 5,000 feet above sea level. And then from there they went to Neapolis. Neapolis was a port of Philippi. Philippi, as the Bible says here, uh, if you notice in verse number 12, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that, that region, that area, or part of Macedonia. All right, Philippi was 10 miles inland from Neapolis. So 10 miles in. It was named in honor of Philip II, father of Alexander the Great. It was a wealthy city, a city that had uh, natural resources such as gold and silver and copper. It came under Roman rule um, in 168 B.C., and then it was made a Roman colony. Now, that's significant. In fact, it's the, only, it's the only city mentioned in the book of Acts that is specifically mentioned as a Roman colony. Other places like Antioch of Pisidia and other places that Paul went to, Lystra and such, were colonies, but this is the only one that's mentioned as a colony. Now, why that's significant is that it used Roman law, of course, and it was basically like living in Rome. Now, what's significant to that will show later on because Paul was a Roman citizen and, and had citizenship that way, and that was very significant, and, and again, it will play out in the end of the chapter. Like other Gentile cities, Philippi was, a, was an idolatrous city. There was many gods and, and many idols that were there. Look again at verse number 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, in a colony. And notice this now, the latter part of verse 12. And we were in that city abiding certain days. We were in that city abiding certain days. What were they doing? What were they doing? Were they preaching? No, they were just abiding there certain days. Did you see that? They didn't start preaching until the next verse. We were there abiding certain days. You know what they were doing? There was a survey trip. They were surveying the city, kind of checking things out. This is brand new territory. Remember, this is the gospel going into a new region, going into, into basically Europe, headed, headed west. It's a brand new area. And so they, they were abiding there certain days and observing and watching. Okay. What was Paul's normal pattern when he came to a city? Remember what we've seen so far in Acts chapter uh, 13 and 14? His normal pattern would be this. He'd go to a what? A synagogue. He'd go to a synagogue. What do you think Paul was looking for here in Philippi? A synagogue. Well, evidently there was no synagogue in Philippi. There there simply was not one. That was his normal pattern. Uh, For there to be a synagogue, there had to be at least 10 Jewish men that were were meeting together. That That was the requirements for starting a synagogue. And so there, evidently there wasn't a large Jewish population there. And thus there was no synagogue. 
So in verse number 13, it says that after they'd surveyed the city and had abode there certain days, verse 13 says, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside. They went by a riverside there where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which, look at this now, which what? Worship God. You see that? Which worship God heard us. Okay, so I want you to get this now. This, this is significant. Remember, they're coming to the city. Remember, they're coming there to preach the gospel. As they come there to preach the gospel, they're looking for a place to begin preaching the gospel. Is this making sense to you? They're looking for a place to start. Where would you start if you're coming into a city? Well, they could have started really anywhere because everybody in that city needed Christ, right? They could have started just anywhere. They could have started uh, there in the in some of the, around the marketplaces and began preaching there. No doubt there was people there. This was a populated city. This was a military city. It was a colony. So they could have started there. But they didn't start there. Why not? They were looking for something. They were fishing for something. They were looking for people that would be receptive. So there was no Jewish synagogue there. So since there was no Jewish synagogue there, then they heard about I don't know how they heard about this, but they heard that outside of the city, along a river, there was a group of ladies that were meeting there. Now, why would they go there? Well, maybe these were Jewish ladies. It was the Sabbath day, obviously. Did you see that? These ladies were observing the Sabbath. I'm just trying to show you that Paul's approach is that he was looking for people that would be receptive to the message. And so he came and saw that here's a group of ladies that were meeting and that they were meeting on the Sabbath day. And so evidently these were at least God-fearing people. These may have been Gentiles ladies. I would say that Lydia was most likely a Gentile lady. She was from a place called Thyatira. Thyatira will show up later in your Bible in Revelation chapter 2, you know, and a city that was, a church that was started there rather. But maybe there in Thyatira, maybe since she came to Philippi, uh, Lydia at least became a believer in the one God, the God of Israel. And thus she left polytheism, the belief of many gods, to monotheism, the belief in one God, okay? And so Paul saw that here is a group of God-fearing women that were meeting there and they were praying. And this was their custom. And so Paul looked at this and said, this is the right place to start. Now, you and I might not have chose that. But that's why we're here to learn from the example. And so he said, this is the right place to start. Okay, let's learn just a little bit more here. Thyatira was um, known for the manufacturing of purple dye. They had certain resources there from which they were able to, to use that, their, the dye to, to dye clothing and such as that. And this would have been wealthy clothing, royalty or wealthy clothing. Do you remember in Luke chapter 16 how that the rich man, he was clothed uh, very well and in purple? Remember that? And so in their day and time, that was a, a great commodity and a great resource. Lydia, it says in verse number 14, that she was a seller of purple. So she had some type of a business whereby she sold and traded and did business with these, these clothing, this expensive line of clothing. It's most likely that she moved to Philippi for work. 
and thus she was in a transition. I just want to put it on pause right here to say this. People that are in transition oftentimes are very receptive to the gospel. Here's a lady who was in transition. And so she'd moved to Philippi evidently for work. And she worshiped God. Look at verse 14 again, which worshiped God, heard us. Now here, this is significant. So Paul's looking for receptive people. God is working at the same time. Are we not laborers together with God? Is it not that we plant and another maybe waters or another has planted and we water? But who is it, my friend? Who is it, church, that gives the increase? It's God. It's God that gives the increase. So what we see here is we see that God is at work in the heart of this lady who fears him. Hey, wait a minute. Let me, let me ask you something. Don't you remember Cornelius? Remember how Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile man? And he worshiped God and he prayed and he fasted. And yet even though he was very religious, he was still lost. And how that God worked in Peter's life and sent Peter that direction. And he brought Cornelius and Peter together so that Cornelius could hear the gospel. That's exactly what's happened in Lydia's life. She's a God-fearing woman who is praying to God, no doubt often as it is, as it's pointed out here. And she's, she's thus God-fearing. And so now God is working it out for her to hear the gospel. And then the Bible says something significant. Whose heart the Lord opened. Whose heart the Lord opened. Hey, let me tell you something tonight. You and I can't open anybody's heart. You and I can't open anybody's heart. It's got to be the Holy Spirit of God. It's got to be God that opens up the heart. Now, what does that mean? What does the word open mean there? It means to help somebody understand. Like if somebody says to you, hey, open up your ears. Or we say, hey, you need to have an open heart. What, is it, what are we saying? You need to be receptive. You need to be willing to be taught, willing to receive. He opened up their ears. It could also mean he calls her to be attentive. I believe all that's involved in what was going on here. He calls her to be attentive. Okay, look, just read on. It says here, whose heart the Lord opened that she what? Attended whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto those things which were spoken of Paul. The word attended there means she turned her mind to what he was saying. She paid attention or she gave heed to what he was saying. And she understood it. I believe God helped her to understand the message. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We need, we need to deal with this here right quick. God did not regenerate her, give her the new birth, And so that then she would repent and place faith in Christ. That's what Calvinism and Reformed theology teaches. That God just reaches down and zaps somebody. You with me? I repent. That's not what this verse is teaching. Because repentance and faith precedes regeneration. They trusted in the Lord and thus they experienced the new birth. To, to do that backwards is, is to say then that that person had really no will about this. God just zapped them. You with me? You say, but wait a minute, I thought we were dead in our trespasses and sins and thus we need to be zapped. 
Yes, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But what God is doing here through the word preached, see, a person has to hear the gospel in order to be saved. They have to hear the gospel for God then to begin to open up their heart and basically simply to do this, to cause them to be attentive. And also, I believe the Holy Spirit of God can help a person understand the gospel so that then they can make a choice. I'm either going to accept this as true or I'm going to reject it as false. And so here is God working in the heart of of a lady that was fearing him already in the sense of at least acknowledging there's one God. She was receptive to that truth and thus God is giving her additional truth, my friend, helping her to understand the message of Jesus Christ and as a result of that, she was convicted of her sin. She recognized that she was lost and it doesn't spell it all out for us right here, but basically it's to say this, she was saved. How do you know she was saved? Well, she got baptized. Only saved people get baptized. Believer's baptism. So God worked in her heart. Brought her to an understanding of Christ. Notice, the re- notice verse 15. And when she was baptized and what? Her household. Remember, they're speaking to others that are there. Who's her household? Well, it may have been servants. It may have been members of her family, a son or a daughter. I don't know. It doesn't spell it out. It just simply says her household. She maybe was a wealthy individual and had servants. Either way, it says her household. And so people who knew her came to know Jesus. People who knew Lydia also had the opportunity to come to know Jesus because Lydia now knew the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. And as a result of that, the latter part of verse number 15 just simply indicates that she urged the missionary team to abide in the house there. So here's a Gentile asking a Jew to stay in the house, and that's fine because God changes things. It's exactly what happened with uh, with Paul. I'm sorry, with Peter and and uh, the Gentile men who came to him from Cornelius. And so we see that taking place and continuing to take place here in this account in chapter 16. And thus her home became a base of operations for the gospel. She was very supportive. She is very hospitable. And as a result, more people were saved because a lady named Lydia received the gospel of Christ. So here, here's what we see then. The missionary team, they made a prayerful effort. They came into the city and they analyzed the city. They watched what God was doing. They looked to see. They abode there certain days. And then on the Sabbath day, they heard that there was a prayer meeting down by the river. And it, whether they went down there several times, several Sabbath days, I don't know. It just simply says they went there to that riverside and, and they found there some receptive people, some people that would be receptive to the message and were God-fearing at least and acknowledged that there was one God. And as a result of that, God used the word preached and the Holy Spirit of God to bring conviction. And these people, like it, Lydia, were ready to be saved. They called on Christ. And then Watch this. God used them to bring others to Christ. So Paul is one example of one who went to the receptive people. Went to receptive people. Let me say this tonight. We need, as Southwest Baptist Church and members of Southwest Baptist Church, we need to make a prayerful effort to reach the receptive people in our city. We need to make a, a, a prayerful effort to reach the receptive people within our city. Why did, why did Paul do that? 
He did that because they were ready to be saved and they could be an influence for Christ. And so the reason they did it then is the same reason we need to do it now is that there are people, listen, there are people in this city who God has already done a work in their heart and they're ripe. They are ripe for harvest. They are ready to be saved. They just need somebody to come and either knock on their door or fill out a friend day card on them at work or at school. But there's somebody, my friend, that is receptive to the gospel and God could start a work through their life that would influence many others for Christ. Now, that being said, not all people are receptive equally. Not all people are equally receptive. Okay? Not all people are equally receptive. I'll illustrate that here in just a moment. And I want to say this, and this is right in line with the Word of God here tonight as well. We must not, listen clearly, we must not neglect any field. We must not neglect any person. You say, wait a minute, Brother Jason, I'm a little bit confused here tonight because you're emphasizing that we need to go to the receptive people, and yet you're saying we don't need to neglect any field and we don't need to neglect any person. That's exactly right. Run that by me again. We must not neglect any field. Why? Because the Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Everywhere. And preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. And thus we must come to this conclusion that we must not, we must not, we cannot because Jesus commands us not to. We must not neglect any field. God calls some to less receptive fields. God calls. Just this past Wednesday night, I spoke with Brother John Spolstra, who was here, a missionary to the Netherlands, and he said, Brother Jason, I've got to tell you, when I come here on a Wednesday night, I'm almost overwhelmed that you have this many people here on a Wednesday night. He said, we worked so hard and worked so hard there in the Netherlands, and and just to, to get a good crowd even on a Sunday is such a great work. And you know what he's saying is that People just aren't as receptive in the Netherlands as what they are here. Miss Spolstra was also in on that conversation, and she said, you know, it's a blessing to be in the States and to be at a restaurant and to hear people pray before they begin to eat their meal and see people praying. He said, she said, that's not something that we see there in the Netherlands. I believe they're called to the Netherlands. But it's a less receptive field. Lyle Armstrong is in Lebanon, working among Muslim people. It's a slow work, but he's doing the work that God has sent him to do. Which, by the way, how do, res- how do resistant fields become receptive fields? When the gospel is preached, begins to loosen up the hearts of the people, they begin to see. Some church planner going out in the Mormon country. He's going to have a difficult time, my friend. It's going to be a slow work working in the Mormon country there in Utah or wherever else it may be. It may, it's going to be slower than it is in other, other areas. Why? Because they're strongholds. And again, no place is to be neglected. No place is to be neglected. And this doesn't mean that we just go to where the fields are easy. Easy pickings, we might say. No, no, not at all. We must not overlook the command to go into all the world. At the same time, we have an example before us and words from Jesus even before us about going to those who, might, who would be receptive. 
I want you to see a few uh, passages of Scripture here. And I want you to consider with me, why go to the receptive people? Find your place in John chapter 4, would you? Just here real quick, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Let's look at this and then um, illustrate that here, this here tonight. Make some application for us. John chapter 4, verse 35. This is where Jesus was at the, uh, the well there and led the woman of Samaria to Christ, to salvation. His disciples had been on a, on a journey to get food. Ran down to Subway or somewhere and coming back. Just kidding. But, and they said, aren't you hungry? And he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they said, somebody already bring him something to eat? He wasn't thinking physically. He had a job to do. Well, in verse number 35, he says to his disciples, Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. You see that? He says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are white. In other words, they are ripe. They're ripe and all ready to harvest, Jesus said. Let's read on. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gather fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I have sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor, other men labored, and you're entered into their labors. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, listen, I want you to understand this, disciples. Don't say it's going to be four months and then harvest comes. He says, I want you to understand this. People are ready right now. People are ready right now to be saved. Okay? All right, so why, why go to these receptive people? Let me give you these reasons. And again, J.D. Payne mentioned some of these things, and I just want to draw it uh, to our attention, bring it to our attention rather. But I want you, want you to see this. Number one, it follows Bible example. Going to receptive people follows biblical example. Listen, Jesus went to receptive peoples. Jesus met with Nicodemus secretly at night. You know why? He was receptive. Jesus went to Samaria. Do you know why Jesus went to Samaria? There was a woman there who was receptive. Jesus was, was accused of being public, a friend of publicans and sinners. you know why he was accused of being friends of publicans and sinners? Because he was a friend of publicans and sinners. Do you know why Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners? Because they knew that they needed him. He came to all people, but the Pharisees didn't think they were sick. Thus, they weren't receptive. And thus, a Nicodemus and a Joseph Arimathea and a Paul were the exceptions, not the rule. Because they were hardened against the gospel. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, you'd see as Jesus is there in, um, in Gadara and as he, as he saved and, and calls that, de- that man of Gadara, the demoniac of Gadara, as he... Uh, as he delivered him from the demonic beings that had inhabited his body, and this man was seated and clothed and in his right mind, well, the people of that area, they were making money off of, off of their hogs and their swine that were there, and all their swine ran into the, into the sea. Well, that messed up their business. And they wanted Jesus to leave. And listen, listen now, when they wanted Jesus to leave, Jesus left. 
You know why? Because he had he was going to another receptive area. Okay? In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is in Nazareth, his own hometown, and yet they, they were unbelieving there, and Jesus was amazed at their unbelief, and he couldn't do works there. He didn't do works there because of their unbelief. And thus Jesus left there, and he went to another receptive place. Look in your Bible, if you would, please, at Mark uh, chapter number 6. Uh, yes, Mark chapter 6 and verse number 11. Mark six eleven. Look what Jesus told his disciples to do. I'm just trying to show you something here tonight. I think that'll be helpful to you if we can tie it all together in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 11. Look what it says as Jesus is sending out his disciples and he's giving them instructions about how they're going to the cities and, and what they're to do. And look at verse number 11. I'm sorry, look at verse number 10. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide to you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, what did he say? Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than it is for that city. You know what he's saying to them? Listen, when you come into the city, and in fact in Luke's account, I like what he says there in Luke's account. If you come into a house and you say, peace be upon this house, and you begin to share with them the word of God, and they're receptive, Jesus said you stay in that house because, listen, Here's a key term. The son of peace is there. That's the terminology that Jesus uses. The son of peace is there. The person of peace. In other words, they're receptive to the word of God. They hear the word of God and they become hospitable to you and that you're to stay there. But if you come to a certain house and they're not receptive to you, then just move on to another house. Just move on to another place. Did you hear what Jesus is saying? What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this. Go to the receptive people. Go to the receptive people. Go to where they are. Go to where they'll listen. And if they'll listen, then the son of peace is there. I submit to you tonight that Lydia was a daughter of peace. Lydia was a daughter of peace in the sense that she received the message that they were preaching. And she said, please, stay in the house. Let me take care of you. Let me be a blessing back to you. You've been such a blessing to me by way of sharing the gospel. Let me be a blessing back. She was a daughter of peace, just like Jesus said, when you go, you'll run into some sons of peace. Some people that will be receptive to the message. Paul had already demonstrated this in the way that he approached ministry. Listen to me. Do you remember when, G, when Paul rather went into Antioch of Pisidia and he went to the synagogue first and then at the synagogue his message was what? Rejected. Paul didn't fold up his arms and say, well, fine then, I'll stop the ministry. No, rather what he did is he turned to the Gentiles. Why? Why? Listen, why did he turn to the Gentiles? Because the Gentiles were receptive. And people were saved. And then as persecution came, Paul left town and went to Lystra. And persecution came and he left town and went to Derby and on and on. We see Paul just moving around. Why? Because he's scared of persecution? No. He's not afraid of persecution. He was beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and on and on. No, he's not doing that at all. But here's what Paul was doing. Paul was moving from place to place where people were receptive with the, to the gospel so that the gospel could move fast. That's what he was doing. 
Does that mean that there weren't people that were called to just hunker in and stay there and try to try to win people to Christ in that location? Yes, there's a place for both. There's a place for somebody that'll go and plant a church and stay there and pastor it for 30 years and win people to Christ. But there's also a place for somebody like Paul who'll say, I'm going to go and preach the gospel here. And if people are receptive, then we'll start a church here. If they're not, I'm moving on to another city and do that same thing again and again. And they don't get discouraged. They just keep going with the gospel. But they're looking for receptive people as they go. That was, the, that was the pattern of Jesus. That was the pattern of Paul. That was the pattern of Peter. That was the pattern of all these individuals. And I'm telling you, it ought to be our pattern here tonight. Why? Because there's biblical example of it. Number two, time is short. Time is short. And if we can get among some people that will receive Christ, we need to see more saved than what we're seeing saved. Time is short. Let's go to some receptive people. Number three, going to receptive people results in rapid church growth planting. It does. What happened? Lydia came to Christ and then her whole household came to Christ. And then others came to Christ. And a church was started in Philippi. And then a Philippian jailer was saved. And then his household was saved. You see, listen, Paul didn't believe he had to stay in that city till he won every person to Christ. He stayed in that city long enough to find a person of peace or a, a son of peace or a daughter of peace that he could lead to Christ. And then he, he stayed there maybe as long as he could, but then he moved on. But then that person led another person. And then that person led another person. And that person, another person, that person, another person. And this gospel message tra- uh, traveled rather quickly. Okay. Let's put it in terms where we live or where, where modern missions is. The Philippines have been a very fertile field. A lot of people have been saved in the Philippines. We have people in our church tonight that are from the Philippines. Saved in the Philippines, moved here. You know, some people have the mentality, there's too many missionaries in the Philippines. Let's not send any more missionaries to the Philippines because they're, they're evangelized. Same mentality exists about Mexico. Way too many missionaries down in Mexico. In fact, we may need to bring some of them back. We don't need another missionary to Mexico because, you know, there's just too many missionaries going there. Or South Korea has also experienced quite a bit of growth and such. And so we don't need to send missionaries there. We need to send them to least uh, evangelized areas of the world. Well, yes, we do. We need to send them to both. There, there needs to be more missionaries sent to the Philippines. You know why? Because it's ripe. It's ripe. You know what's happening in the Philippines? People are being saved. They're being trained. And they're being sent out from the Philippines to go to Cambodia and go into Sri Lanka. In fact, just this week, coming up this week, a Filipino missionary being sent out from a Filipino church is being sent out from that church to go to Sri Lanka and be around and among the Unruhs, our sent missionary there in, in, uh, in Sri Lanka, sent from this church. Hey, I'm telling you, God's doing a great work and it's not all from the West. God's doing a great work in the east, in the southeast, and he's doing a great work in the orient. People are being saved in China. People are being saved in India. People are being saved in the Philippines. And they're eager and they're hungry and they want to work for Christ. Hey, I'm telling you, that's a receptive place. That's a good fishing hole, if I could just put it in that terminology. That's a good place to go because people are hungry and they want to hear the word of God and can be saved. And a movement can take place through them. We ought not to neglect those places. In fact, we ought to gravitate that direction. It's like we're fishing over here and we're not catching anything. Hey, I'm fishing over here. We're catching them there. Are you with me? But but if you're called, if you're stationed by God to fish right here and you haven't caught any fish in years, but you know you're where you're supposed to be, then stay right there. 
William Carey fished a long time in India, never saw any converts for several years. But then one person trusted Christ. And then another, then another, then another. And now if you go to India, listen, 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 listen now. South India is a lot more receptive to the gospel than what North India is. North India is like a whole different country, very hostile, very, very uh, uh, aggressively against the spread of the gospel. And, and South India has that element as well, but not like North India. Do you know why? Because a man went and, and was faithful to preach the gospel, even to, re, to resistant people, because God called him there. And I appreciate the tenacity of a William Carey who said that God wants to use us and he wants to use means to reach the heathen. And John Ryland stood up and said, young man, when God wants to save the heathen, he'll do so without the help of you or without me because of his strong Calvinistic thinking. But William Carey said, no, wait a minute. God wants to use us. He's got to use us. The word has got to be preached. And he went and as a result, people were saved. And now there's a church planting movement in the South. Huh. Another reason that we ought to go to receptive people is because our resources are limited. Make the most of what we have available to us. And then I think just why stewardship says, you know, we ought to really pray about this region because they're receptive here. You know, that's exactly what Paul did. He went and surveyed the city. He didn't start it in the marketplace. He didn't start it in the, in the, in the business place. He didn't start it in the military precincts. He didn't start anywhere there in the city of Philippi. He went outside the city to a little gathering of some ladies who were praying, they said, I believe this would be a perfect place to start. Okay, let me get uh, three guys to help me, okay? Brother Dan, you guys just come up here right quick, okay? All right, that'd be great. Let me illustrate this. Not everybody is equally receptive. Okay, we're going to let... Uh, Brother Dan represent a receptive person. And so he's going to smile, okay? He's receptive. He's friendly. Brother Luke is going to represent a uh, person that's just apathetic, apathetic to the gospel. And so just no expression. What? Are you smiling? <laughs> I'm sorry. He's trying. He's way too cool. He doesn't really think he needs this gospel thing. Now, Gabe, he's hostile to the gospel. Mean. That's working. It's working pretty good. So we have uh, missionaries who come. Brother Kosher, how about you come and be missionary? All right? Now, let me ask you something. As Brother Kosher comes up, he cares about the gospel, cares about people. He works with these three guys at his job place, all right? He works in a correctional facility. and uh, <laughs> He works with these three people. Okay, so we have one that's, that's very friendly and outgoing. We have one that's just kind of uh, apathetic. One is, yeah, <laughs> mean. Let me ask you something. Who most likely is going to be most receptive? Who would you think? Now, here's the unknown variable. We don't know what God's doing in any of their hearts. But, you know, who? let me ask you this. Who's he supposed to go to? 
All of them. Isn't that right? He is called of God, just like you are, to go to all three of them. And no doubt in the course of his time at work, he will. He'll go and he'll befriend. Go ahead and befriend. Okay, he'll go and he'll befriend. And he gets a warm reception there. He goes to the next one. And there's just <laughs> not much reception there. He goes to the next one. And this guy's already having a bad day. And the day hasn't even started. And so there's some reception there. <laughs> But overall, he just has an attitude. Okay? I worked with a guy at O'Reilly's who worked back in the back, in the very back of the warehouse. And all day long, he crushed boxes. <laughs> and he would be exactly what you would think of as a box crusher. <laughs> Wore a New York Yankees hat. Walked around like this all day. Talked to nobody. Just there in the back, putting boxes in, pushing a button. <laughs> We're having friend day. <laughs> you with me? There's some people you know like that. But then there was other guys that were like really outgoing. A guy named Jason Sparks that was just, I mean, just like his name, like a spark plug. I mean, he was just, he was a lot of fun to be around. 17, 18 years old, loading trucks is all I could do as, you know, a, a man of 20-some keeping up with him. And I mean, we just hit it off. You know, he was into college football and, and we just had all kinds of connections going there. Are you with me? There, it was easy to talk to him. We sat down, we joked around and and talked and, and, and even at work and got talked to about talking at work and I mean he just but he he was he was very open and very friendly and then there was other guys there that were just way too cool and just didn't have time for anybody and anything you with me and we're called to reach all of them but do, do you know I in fact I invited all of them but do you know who came first Sparky Jay, Jason Sparks he came, and he kept coming. I'm telling you, he was receptive to it. Do you know what happens? He had a connection with Box Crusher. <laughs> and that opened up the door for me to have a connection with Box Crusher. And as a result, this young man came to our church as well and heard the gospel and trusted Christ. And I found out that not all Yankee fans are bad guys. <laughs> And not all box crushers are mean and scary. Hey, actually, we hit it off and had a great time. I'm telling you, we, we underestimate what the gospel can do. But here's a lesson I learned. I'm going to start where people are open. And I'm going to keep working here. I'm going to keep working there. And you're going to keep working there. But then as we team up on them, then we're both working on them. And, and we never know when God might just soften up the heart when he's got some kind of a crisis going on. Or maybe he just moved to your job place and he's a person that's in transition. That suddenly opens him up. Or maybe there's a Catholic person that has moved here from Mexico and, and now they're confused. And in fact, I just was knocking doors straight down 57th Street on Tuesday night. And, and I'm telling you, the second house we knocked on, this lady said, you know, I'm kind of confused. And don't know what the truth is, but I'd really like to know. 
right here. But we may knock other doors and people say, I'm Catholic. Or I'm Jehovah's Witness. Or I'm Mormon. Or I'm whatever else. And they may be more resistant. What do we do? Well, we mark that person's house and never come back again. No, we're going to come back to that person's house. But I'll tell you where we need to start. Right here. Because we've got an inroad with them. Okay? Friend day's coming up. Where should you start? Well, start everywhere, but look, look to see. In fact, I, I believe you ought to do this. Pray that God would open up people's hearts. Hey, listen, even though this guy's out going, I can't open up his heart to the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit of God, no matter how friendly I might be or how friendly he might be, it's really only the Spirit of God that can do that work. But let God use some common ground. Let God use some connection that you have. Let God use some things that you have a similar interest in. Let it be used to to gain some, some opportunity for the gospel. And then let God do the work in the heart. And then do the work in the other areas as well as you have occasion to. But start where you have some receptivity and where you can pray and ask God to open up the doors and then take action. I believe tonight you ought to keep a list of people that are are seemingly open to you to come back to them and talk to to them about the gospel. Keep a list. Keep a list on your phone or keep a list in your Bible or keep a prayer list and go back to them. Hey, listen, those are the people that you need to sign up for Friend Day. Watch, observe. You probably have a coworker that may just be waiting for you to invite them. Do you give as much thought to reaching this next generation or this your generation? Do you give as much thought to this as you do to this? And other avenues of life. If Jesus has called us and he has to be fishers of men, we need to follow his example and the example of the men in the book of Acts and watch what they did and follow it. What happens then? He gets saved. He's a person of peace or he's a son of peace. You know what he's going to do? He has a number of friends, Micaiah, Jeremy, y'all come. He has a circle of friends that Brother Kosher didn't even know. They're over here. Listen, let me, Micaiah, you and Jeremy just come over here. Brother Kosher has led uh, Brother Dan to Christ. Brother Kosher doesn't know these guys, but he does. So now these individuals have an opportunity to come to know Christ because he worked in the heart of a man that was receptive to the gospel. And then they know people that he doesn't know and that he doesn't know. And then this thing just begins to multiply. That's church growth. That's salvation. That's, that's the gospel going everywhere from everywhere. And we've got to have that mentality and do it even intentionally and praying about it and asking God to guide us in the way. Why? Why go to the receptive people? Well, they need to be saved. Number one, they need to be saved. Number two, through his life, other people can be influenced for Christ. But while going to the receptive, don't neglect the ones that are apathetic and the ones that are even hostile. Just keep going to them. And what God does is begin to work in that heart so they move to the place of being open to the gospel. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I want you to think tonight.
maybe even write down the name of somebody that you know that you believe to be in this category of being receptive to the gospel. I want you to think about it and maybe even jot down or make a note that this week or next week as God opens up the opportunity that you're going to talk to that receptive person. Who do you know that is receptive? Who do you know? Say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know anybody. Then get out and meet people. Get out and meet people. I've got to remember that because churches are not planted in the church office. It's as we get out there, talk to people. I'm telling you, Tuesday night, just right off the bat. You know, it's one of those times like when fishing, you're like, hey, hey. Huh, you with me? Just like that, two hits right off the bat. I, I believe we live in an area that is receptive to the gospel. People are friendly here in Oklahoma. You know what that means? We have a great, great, great opportunity. We need to make the most of it. Father, we pray you'd help us do that. We know that you are working and want to work in the hearts of individuals. You want us to take action. And God, I pray you'd help us to reach those that are receptive. God, I think about harvest fields where the fruit is neglected and it's ready to be harvested. And yet there maybe is no one there to reap it and to harvest it. And thus fruit is dying on the vine that could be harvested. And no doubt there are people within our city boundaries right here who, if given the opportunity to hear a clear gospel presentation, would be open enough at least to be attentive to that message and perhaps even ripe to be saved. Now, we know that salvation is your work. And we know that it's you that convicts them of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come through the work of your Holy Spirit. But I pray that you'd help us, God, to move, and that even quickly, to those that are in need. And we know that everybody is in need, so God, help us to look and see where there might be some that are receptive and what you could do through their life, even, God, as you did in the life of Lydia. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in this invitation and help us all, God, to think intentionally and to think prayerfully about a person that would be open to hearing a gospel presentation. Please help us, Lord, as we prepare for Friend Day. It certainly is not a solve-all. It's not going to be the end of all that we do, but it, it certainly is a good opportunity for us to try to reach someone that is receptive. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.